this week, Prashat Vayishlach, I would like to discuss the incident of Yaakov's struggle with the mysterious man. Um, after Yaakov makes his preparations uh, for meeting up with Esav, after the sending of emissaries, the arrangement of his camp, and his prayer to Hashem, the Torah tells us um, in Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kaftalid, uh, the following. Ve'yivatei Yaakov levado, um, Yaakov was left alone. Ve'yavek ishimo ad alot And a man wrestled with him until the morning light. The Torah here does not inform us of who this man is, what uh, the purpose of the struggle is. And overall, the story is, is quite mysterious. And we might be well justified in asking uh, who exactly this man is and, and what the purpose of the struggle is. Now, apparently, as we move along, it becomes obvious that this ish, this mysterious ish, is in fact a malach, is in fact a, a divine emissary. Um, a bit later on in the story, there's, of course, the part that details uh, the renaming of, of Yaakov. And uh, after Yaakov asks uh, for a bracha in Pasuk Kavav, uh, Pasuk Kav Zayin tells us the following. Vayomer Elav, and the man uh, said to Yaakov, Mashmecha, what is your name? Vayomer Yaakov, and he said, my name is Yaakov. Pasuk Kavchet, Vayomer lo Yaakov ye'amer od, it will no longer be said Yaakov, Shimcha is your name, ki im Yisrael, but your name will now be Yisrael, ki sarita im Elokim v'im anashim batuchal. Now, Yaakov is renamed Yisrael uh, by this ish. Why? Because kisarita because you have, let's translate this as contended or struggled. Because Yaakov has contended or struggled im elokim v'im anashim v'tuchal. You've struggled with the divine and with man v'tuchal and proven capable and proven able. Well, when exactly, we may easily imagine to ourselves when it is that Yaakov struggled with anashim. He, he struggled with uh, his brother Esav, he struggled with his uncle Levan, but when did he struggle, struggle with Elohim? When did he struggle with the divine? And the answer, of course, is that he struggled right now with the divine in this nocturnal wrestling match. The Ish is apparently a malach, an angel, something connected to Elohim, a divine emissary, and therefore it can be well said that Yaakov has also struggled with the divine. Now, as we um, move along, this becomes even more obvious because we get to another naming incident uh, towards the end of the parsha, when Yaakov names the place where the struggle has taken place. In Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Lamed, the Torah tells us as follows, Ve'ikra Yaakov, Shem HaMakom Pini'el. Yaakov called the name of the place Pini'el. Uh, and why? Ki ra'iti et Elohim panim el panim batinatil nafshi. Because I have seen God face to face, and my life was saved, and I was spared. The term pini'el, of course, consists of two uh, subterms. Pini, uh, the first uh, syllable, uh, connected to the word panim, connected to the word face. And, of course, the latter syllable, el, um, the divine aspect. So, Yaakov names the place by virtue of the fact that he is, so to speak, struggled face to face. He has been panim el panim in this wrestling match with the divine over the course over the course of the night and therefore names the place Peniel. So once again, obviously, Yaakov relates to this ish as a malach, as a divine emissary. He's seen him face to face and therefore names the place Peniel. Now, this of course I think this brings us um, 
to, or perhaps back to, uh, a rather obvious question already alluded to earlier, which is, why does God send an angel to wrestle and struggle with Yaakov? Uh, what possible divine purpose does the sending of this ish, this angel, to struggle with Yaakov, to wrestle with Yaakov, serve? Um, if God sends an angel, it really must have some purpose, and we really are um, uh, justified in asking about the divine purpose here in sending of this angel. Now, uh, we may sharpen the question uh, a little bit in a certain sense by noting that this is not uh, the first time that Yaakov has encountered uh, angels. In fact, Yaakov uh, has encountered angels in some form or another actually twice before, and it's worthwhile to go back and take a look at both instances. Uh, the first instance is, uh, of course, at the very beginning of Parshat Vayetze, um, in Parakavchet, um, Pasak Yudbet, the Torah tells us the story of Yaakov's dream, and as we well know, of course, Yaakov's dream includes a vision of angels. Vayachalom, the Torah tells us in Kavchet Yudbet, Vihinei Sulam Mutav Artsa, Yaakov dreamed a dream, and there was a ladder on the ground, Rosho Magia Shamaima, and uh, the uh, top of the ladder reached up to the heavens, and there were angels of God going up and down this ladder. So Yaakov dreams this dream, um, which involves a vision of angels going up and down this ladder. Now, of course, what, what is the meaning uh, of uh, the angels in this dream? Well, the point of the dream is that God appears to them. God is, so to speak, at the top of the ladder and speaks to him and promises him that he will eventually become a great nation, that um, his children will inherit the land. And in addition, he promises him in Pasuk Tetvav the following, Vihine Anochi Imach, I will be with you, Ushmaticha B'cholashertelech, and I will guard you um, in every way that you go, Vashivoticha El Adama Hazot, and I will return you to this land, Kilo Ezveka, I will not abandon you, Ara Asher Imasiti Asheret so part of the divine promise is the promise of protection, the promise of providential assistance, the promise of accompaniment, that, that God will be with Yaakov in his travels um, and until his return to the land, and even in his return to the land. Now, uh, Ibn Ezra and Ramban both point out that this is exactly what the symbolism of angels uh, is all about. Um, the angels coming up and down the ladder, connecting the earth and the heavens, are symbolic of divine providence. Uh, they are, so to speak, the angels or the providence that will accompany Yaakov upon his journey, on his way out of the land, and eventually, of course, uh, on his way back. And the angels symbolize divine help, divine providence, divine assistance, and that's the case in the angels uh, that Yaakov first meets up with, the angels of his vision, in his dream at the beginning of Parshat Be'etze. Um Now, of course, as we should remember, there are also angels at the end of the Parsha, and I think we can argue that the symbolism of the angels uh, uh, in the latter case is actually similar uh, to the first case. Let us take a look at the uh, psukim. Uh, towards the very end of Parshat Vayetze, after Yaakov has successfully uh, escaped the clutches of Lavan and he's concluded his cold peace uh, with Lavan, we're told as follows in Paraklamid Bet, Pasuk Aleph, Yaakov halach ledarko. Yaakov went upon his journey, upon his way. Vayifku'u vo malachei elokim, and he encountered angels of God. 
ויאמר יעקב כאשר ראה מחנה אלוקים זה ויקרא שם המקום ההוא מחניים. And Yaakov named the place מחניים because it is the encampment of God. Now, what is the point of these angels? Well, these angels, again, I think are symbolic of divine providence, divine assistance. They are with Yaakov, the same way they were, as they were with Yaakov on his journey out. They're also with Yaakov uh, on his journey in. And quite possibly, uh, these angels are not just so to speak, a symbolic greeting, but they may in fact pay a kind of practical purpose in Yaakov's journey. As we should remember, um, the very first uh, verse of Parshat Vayishlach, and the next pasuk after the two that we just noted, Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Gimel, says as follows, Vayishlach Yaakov malachim lefanav eleisav achiv atzaseyes deyadom. Now, it could be that the malachim uh, in Pasukimel should not be understood literally as angels. Perhaps they're just messengers. Perhaps they're men. They're just perhaps men of Yaakov's party. Or perhaps they're the very same angels, i.e. divine beings, that met Yaakov upon his return from Haran. And as part of their role of accompanying Yaakov upon his journey, as part of their role of providential assistance, Yaakov utilizes them and sends them up on ahead as a scouting party or as a greeting party to help him with his looming encounter with his flesh and blood brother with Esav. The point being is that in both stories, angels represent providential assistance, they represent divine assistance, they represent help by God uh, for Yaakov. And if so, I think our case, so to speak, the third case of an angel, the case of the Ish, and the mysterious struggle becomes even more mysterious. And if we go back to the text and read it again, Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kaftalad, Ve'yivater Yaakov levado ve'yavek ish imo ad alotashaka. And a man struggled with him, contended with him, wrestled with him, acted against him. Here, the angel wrestles and struggles against Yaakov. He, in fact, even, so to speak, threatens Yaakov's life, uh, according to Yaakov's later statement of Vatina Tel Nafshi. And the question arises, this is very, very strange. Um, why does God send this angel? It seems to be the opposite of the normal sending of angels where angels are sent to provide assistance. And here, on the surface at least, it seems to be in adversarial shlichut, a sense where the angel is sent against Yaakov, and all this requires uh, some sort of explanation. Now, while there are many uh, interpretations to the story of Yaakov's mysterious struggle with the Ish, um, I would like to approach the story through the prism of the interpretation of Rashbam um, of the story. And I believe that Ramban makes a, a crucial literary point um, regarding the story, one which I think uh, should help us uh, unpack some of the inner meaning of, of the story. Rashbam points out that our story of the struggle with the mysterious Ish um, seems to bear some sort of relationship to a story later on in, in the Torah, um, actually in Tanakh, a story found in Sefer Shmuel uh, Bet, Perak Yud Zayin. Now, um, Shmuel Bet, Perak Yud Zayin, tells us the story of the rebellion of Avshalom against David, amongst other things. And at some point, David is, is forced to flee and to go into hiding. And in Perak Yud Zayin, Pasukaf Aleph, um, the, of Shefer Shmuel Bet, the uh, Tanakh, uh, the Navi, tells us the following. Vayegidu um, David, and it was told to David that Absalom was on his way. Vayamru el David, and then it was said to David uh, as advice, Kumu v'ivru mehera et hamayim, akikacha ya'atz alecha machitofel. 
So Achitofel gave this advice. Uh, it was sent um, a messenger word of Achitofel advice to David to uh, leave the hiding place that he was in because Avshalom was on his way. Um, and the language here is Kumu Ivru, get up and cross over the water. And in Pasuk Kafet, immediately afterwards, there in Parak Yudayin, we're told as follows, and David and all the people that were with him got up, and they crossed the Jordan, now, Rashbam points out that it's important to pay attention to the language here. We have here the idea of uh, getting up, kum. We have here avar. We have the crossing of the water, uh, the crossing of the body of the water implied in the language of avar. Um, and we also have uh, the fact that this crossing happens at night. Uh, the language of the text here in Shmuel Bet Perak Yudzayin in Pasuk Kafbet is ad or boker. So David crosses with everybody with him uh, in the middle of the night. Now, uh, interestingly enough, uh, Rashbam points out, this seems to uh, be an echo uh, of our story. If we go back to um, Perak Lamid Bet in Sefer Breshit, here we have to back up a, a couple of verses. Um, what we're told as follows, after Yaakov had sent his minchat to Esav in Paraklamibet, Pasek Kapet. Vayakam, balayla hu, and Yaakov got up in that night, veikach et shtei nashav et shtei shifchotav et achad asayiladav. So he got up, kum, he got up in the middle of the night, it's the night time. And what does he do? Vayavar et ma'avar yabok. And he crossed them over the ma'avar yabok. So, Vayikachem, and he took them, again, taking Vayavirem, and he crossed them at Anachal, the body of water, Vayavir at Asherlo, three times in our story, the idea of crossing. What you have here, Rashbam points out, is a, is a crucial parallel, and we can say that there are three elements to the parallel. One, we have the getting up. Uh, two, we ha- which contained within, or symbolized by the word Vayakum. Uh, um, we have the Vayavor, the crossing of the water of everybody in the entire camp. Uh, and three, of course, in both cases, it happens at night. Vayakam um, Balayla is how our text begins, which parallels the Ad or Boker of the later text in Shmuel. Um, now, in fact, Rashbam points out there aren't just three parallels, there's a fourth parallel. Um, if we go back to the text in Shmuel, we find out that the story of David's crossing of the water uh, with his entire camp happens in a particular geographical area. In Perak Yud Zayin, Pasak Kaftal, in Shmuel Bet, we read the following. So David arrived in the area of Machanaim. So this entire story of the nighttime crossing um, happens, of the camp, happens in the place of Machanaim later on in Tevish Shmuel. But of course, this is the exact same place. Um, that Yaakov is located in, in our story in Breshit. If we go back to um, Perak Lamed Bet, Pasek Bet, right before the beginning of Parshat Yishlach, Yaakov names this place, so to speak. Yaakov named the place where he encountered the angels that he perhaps later sent to Esav at the beginning of Parshat Yishlach, Machanayim. So the fourth parallel between the two stories is this is almost exactly the same uh, geographic area. Now, Based upon uh, the similarity between these two stories, the idea of the nighttime crossing uh, and the similarity of the geographic area, Rashbam points out that we should claim that there is a fifth and uh, thematic parallel uh, between the two stories. Rashbam says that the same as David 
got up in the middle of the night, so to speak, and moved his entire camp across the body of water in order to escape from Avshalom, so too um, the purpose of Yaakov in getting up in the middle of the night and moving his camp across the water is to escape, is to run away uh, from his blood relative Esav, uh, who he is concerned about. Yaakov intends to flee. Um, and if so, uh, if this is correct, Rashbam um, forces us, so to speak, to, to read the, the context of um, Yaakov's struggle with the Ish in a very, very interesting way. Um, and to do this, let, let's go back to Pasuk Kaf Aleph in, in Bereshit Lamed Bet. Bereshit Lamed Bet, um, Pasuk Kaf Aleph, says as follows. Vatavor ha-mincha al-panav and the, the mincha, the offering that Yaakov intended for Esav passed in front of him. It was sent off. V'hu lan balaylahu b'machaneh and um, Yaakov went to sleep that night in the machaneh. In other words, Yaakov intends to meet Esav the next day and he has finished his preparations. He has sent off his emissaries. He has prayed to God. He has organized his camp. And then, in the middle of the night, Yaakov has some sort of misgiving. Pasuk Kavbet. He get, got up in the middle of the night. He took his wives and his children. And he crossed over. And he moved everything because Yaakov now intends to run away. He intends to avoid the situation to not face Esav the next day. But before Yaakov can get away, he is left alone on the other side, so to speak. Um, and a man struggled with him uh, until the, um, the, the, the next morning. And then, of course, they, what happens the next morning? And by the time the struggle is over, Yaakov lifts up his eyes and Esav is upon him. So the story should be understood as a story of Yaakov's intent to flight. And the struggle with the Ish, the Malach, prevents Yaakov from fleeing and eventually uh, creates a situation where, so to speak, even against his will, he faces Esav the next morning. Now, I think this is um, the context of the story that emerges from the parallel um, with the case of David and Sefer Shmuel and um, the understanding that Yaakov intends to flee. Uh, now, what as to interpretation? Now, as to interpretation, Rashbam takes things in a very interesting direction. And here I think it is worthwhile to look at the text of Rashbam. Commenting on Perak Lamedbet Pasik Kaftalid, Veivater Yaakov Levado Veavik Ish Imo, and a man struggled with him, um, Rashbam says as follows Veavik, Malach Imo, a divine emissary struggled with him, Shayo Yuchal Levroach so that he could not flee, because as Rashbam pointed out, Yaakov intended to flee. And the reason why God sent this Malach to prevent Yaakov from fleeing was that Yaakov would be able to see, would be able to witness the accomplishment of the divine promise um, that uh, Esav would not damage him. In other words, if we go all the way back to... Um, Abraham's, uh, to, pardon me, to Yaakov's dream um, at Beit El, and the promise that God had made to Yaakov. 
In Parak Kafchet, Pasuk Tetvav, God said to Yaakov as part of the dream, imach, I will be with you, Ushmaticha, and I will guard you, I will protect you, everywhere you go. Mashivoticha el Adamahazot, and I will return you to this, uh, to this land. Kilo I will not abandon you. I will not abandon you, is what God says. So Yaakov has not yet returned to the Adama. So of course, the divine promise that he would be protected, including protection from Esav, is so to speak still in force. And God sends the angel to prevent Yaakov from fleeing so that Yaakov can witness the accomplishment of the divine promise made to him all the way back in Beit El. Now Rashbam adds something to this, and in the very next verse he says something, in his very next comment he says something rather striking. Um, explaining the fact that Yaakov is eventually injured in this story, that he winds up with the injury upon his leg, Rashbam says as follows, That which Yaakov was injured um, and swollen upon his leg, It's because God had promised him that he would be protected, and he was fleeing. Rashbam here says something striking. He says, listen, the reason why Yaakov is injured is because he deserves to be injured. He is being punished for his attempt to run away. He is, in fact, punished on some plane for his lack of faith. And Rashbam goes on to point out, and here we don't have time to go into the full text, that you know of many instances of someone on a journey that is going against the will of God who winds up being punished. Rashbam refers to Perak Dalit of Sefer Shmot, where God meets Moshe on the way uh, and wants to kill him for some reason or another. Rashbam refers to the story of Bil'am, where Bil'am travels with the Sarei Balak, the Sarei Midian. This displeases God, and God sends an angel to thwart him. And likewise here, this is a story of sin and punishment. Yaakov should have had faith um, in God's promise, but um, because of his lack of faith, he wishes to flee in the middle of the night. God sends the angel to stop him, to force him um, to witness God's Yeshua, to witness the accomplishment of God's promise. And as a result of this lack of faith and this attempt to flee, Yaakov is, so to speak, injured or punishment. And the entire story takes on this flavor or this pattern of sin and punishment as in the other cases that Rashbam cites that I mentioned just a moment ago. Now, well, I think this spin that Rashbam gives to the story of Yaakov's flight is, is quite interesting. Um, and I think that this idea of sin and punishment um, and the issue of faith or lack of faith in Yaakov's life certainly requires uh, some exploration. I think perhaps in this particular case, uh, Rashbam uh, takes things to a bit of an extreme. And what I would like to do is to present a, a variation uh, upon Rashbam, uh, based upon perhaps what might be thought of as the dominant motif in most of the Parshanim, in most of those who explain, most of the explanations uh, of the story of, of the Ish. Um, what we all should remember is that most Parshanim, Rashi, uh, Ramban, uh, um, and others, follow the Midrash and make the claim that this Ish is not just a, a malach, is not just an angel, but this ish is, should be thought of as the sarosh uh the officer of Esav, uh, the celestial being that somehow represents Esav, and in some way or another in this classic parshanut, uh, this struggle is a 
metaphysical representation, so to speak, of the struggle between Yaakov and Esau. And of course, this requires some explanation. And this is, of course, the well-known fact about the interpretation of most of the Parshanim. What is a little bit uh, less well-known um, is that almost all Parshanim have a particular approach to the purpose uh, of the sending of the angel, be it Sar Shalesav or, or not Sar Shalesav. And here we may be uh, helped by looking at a comment of, of Ibn Ezra. Um, commenting on Perak Lama Gimel, uh, Pasuk Yud, Ibn Ezra says as follows. Um, omrim, and most of the interpreters say, Lechazek, uh, the angel comes to Yaakov Lechazek to strengthen or, or to bolster. Shelo achav, so they should not be afraid of his brother the next day. Ki If the angel is not able to defeat him, afki ben adam, certainly any man or his brother is not able to defeat him the next day. Um, and the crucial point uh, about Ibn Ezra is that the purpose of uh, the malach um, is not to punish uh, Yaakov is not to, so to speak, deliver an onesh uh, for his lack of faith and his lack of fortitude and ability to stand and see the divine promise come true. But rather, the purpose of the sending of the angel uh, is to bolster Yaakov, to provide providential support, and to go back to our previous formulation, just as God sends Yaakov angels in his dream, or just as God shows Yaakov angels in his dream, or sends Yaakov angels at the end of Parshat Be'etzeh, um, in advance of his encounter with Esav, after his encounter with Lavan, just as those angels are a sign of providential support, somehow this ish, this angel is also providential support rather than punishment. And of course, this requires um, a bit of explanation. In other words, what I would uh, like to do is to adopt Rashbam's first point about the parallel between um, the story of Yaakov and the ish and the parallel of David. Yaakov does intend to flee in the middle of the night, and God sends the angel to stop Yaakov. But, I would like to adopt the approach of the majority of Parshanim regarding the purpose of, the underlying purpose of the struggle with the angel. It is not so much punishment as it is bolstering or providential support. Somehow or another, stopping Yaakov from fleeing is a form of providential support, a way of bolstering Yaakov, and this requires a bit of explanation. To understand this, I think we need to return to the very, very beginning of the Farsha and some Psukim um, that we have not looked yet, looked at yet, and a, an important, if seldomly asked question. Um, Paraklam Ibet, Pasuk Gimel, the first Pasuk of Parshat Vayishlach, tells us the following. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Lifanav Eleisav Achiv Arza Seir Sdei Adam. And Yaakov sent messengers or angels in front of him to Esav, his brother, to the land of Seir in the plain of Edom. Um, and I think the question that we seldomly ask is, why does Yaakov send these messengers? Why does Yaakov initiate the contact with Esav at all? Couldn't he simply put, um, go back to Eretz Yisrael, Esav is already located in a dome, why do he need to contact Esav? Well, we might argue that it's unavoidable, um, it's absolutely necessary. Um, Esav will find out, Esav will somehow um, hear about this and confront Yaakov no matter what, so simply put, Yaakov takes the initiative. 
Well, that may be correct. Uh, I think a, an understanding of the geography of the area would indicate that it may have been possible um, for Yaakov to avoid um, encountering Esav. Um, Edom is, is quite far off from where Yaakov is currently located on the way back from Haran. And I think, in fact, the, the Torah... Uh, tells us almost explicitly what Yaakov's intention or what Yaakov's purpose is in contacting Esav. Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuke, a couple of Pasukim later, tells us as follows. Um, and I am sending a word to my, to my master to tell him of my situation. In order to find favor in your eyes. Now, I think uh, the idea here is that in some way or another, Yaakov is interested in some sort of rapprochement um, with uh, Esav. Yaakov, on some level, understands um, that an encounter with Esav is, is unavoidable. Um, and whether it's unavoidable on the level of mere practical necessity, or whether it's unavoidable on some deeper psychological or existential or historical or even religious plane, it is unavoidable. And Yaakov is interested in, in some sort of uh, reproachment with Esav. Now, we don't need to commit uh, to what the exact nature of this reproachment that Yaakov is interested in is. It may be, uh, as the language of the text a bit later on indicates, that Yaakov is interested in, in forgiveness. He's interested in kapara. The term kapara... Uh, appears numerous times throughout the text. He's interested in a genuine Brit Shalom, a genuine uh, appeasement and, and reproachment with Esav, his brother. Or alternatively, uh, Yaakov is not really interested in that much more than the kind of cold peace uh, that he's already contracted with Lavan, some sort of arrangement, uh, so to speak. Uh, but either way, Yaakov originally contacts Esav for the purposes of a- arriving at some sort of arrangement, some sort of reproachment. To put this in, in slightly different language, um, if we go back to a verse found previously in the Torah, Parak Kafzayan Pasuk uh, Lamed Hay. In the aftermath of Yaakov's uh, taking the uh, brachot uh, from uh, Esav, um, and Esav coming in uh, and requesting brachot from his father, Yitzchak says to Esav the following, Parak Kafzayan Pasuk Lamed Hay. Vayomer, and he said, Yitzchak, Ba'achicha bimirma. Your brother has come with trickery uh, and taken your brachot. The point, is, and then what is Esav responds? He has tricked me twice, or he has gone around me twice, or he has been acted bent with me twice. He took my firstborn herd in the uh, sale earlier on. Now he's taking my bracha. The point being is that. Yaakov understands that the past cannot remain buried, that somehow or another he or he and Esav must deal with the problem of um, the fact that uh, what had happened, it happened, and Yaakov seeks some sort of approachment or arrangement or understanding with Esav at this point. Now, despite the fact that Yaakov is highly concerned um, when he hears about Esav and the 400 men marching to greet him, Yaakov acts with fortitude. He persists in his plan. He arranges his camp, he sends his emissaries, he prays to God, and although Yaakov knows that it will be difficult, he knows he must face Esav, and this must be gotten past somehow or another before he can return home, before he can go on. What happens then? Well, after he goes to sleep, 
in Pasuk Kaf Aleph, Vatavor HaMenchal Panav Hulan Balei Lahu B'Machaneh, and he goes to sleep at night. In the middle of the night, Yaakov has second thoughts, Vayakam Balei Lahu Vayikach Atshtein Ashav. Yaakov gets up in the middle of the night to do what? To sneak away. Yaakov gets up to be Yaakov. He gets up to go around Esav, uh, to act in a kind of bent and, str- and non-straight fashion. He's not going to confront Esav. He's not going to struggle with the demons of their joint past, but rather he's going to avoid and he's going to go around and he's basically going to be okay, if we may say so, on some plane in the entire situation, the Midat Yaakov. Well, what does God do? God sends an angel to stop Yaakov. God has the angel struggle with Yaakov all night. God has the angel wound Yaakov upon the leg so he cannot run away. And by the time the struggle is finished, God sends the angel to help Yaakov not be Yaakov. God sends the angel to help Yaakov confront Esav and to achieve that reproachment or arrangement of Esav that Yaakov himself needed to achieve. So I think, in the end of the day, we can understand that the Ish is providential support of Yaakov in his original intention of making up, of having reproachment, of coming to arrangement with the Esav, of somehow dealing with the past of Ba'achicha b'mirmah v'lakachat b'chotecha. Now, I think this is the correct interpretation of uh, the story, um, that the angel is divine help uh, to confront Esav, um, and I think there's a bit more to it than that. And here we may go back to the text of the renaming that we mentioned earlier. Um, there, when Yaakov asks for a bracha, we have a kind of recreation of the original context of bracha where Yaakov acted with Mirma and Yaakov acted as Yaakov. And what does the angel, the emissary of God, respond in Barak Lamebek Pasek Kavav, Kavzayin? You'll no longer be called Yaakov, you'll be called Yisrael. Because you have contended and struggled with God and with other men and you have proven capable. The name change is exactly about the change that Yaakov undergoes at this point. In his willingness um, to... Um, achieve reproachments with Esav, to confront Esav, to face Esav, to work things through, Yaakov is no longer acting as Yaakov, but he already acts as, as Yisrael, Sarita, the one who contends, the one who struggles, the one who is willing to face things, Panin el Panin. He wavers for a moment, but God sends him the angel to put him back on the right track. And it's exactly at this point that Yaakov receives his name change as he moves from Yaakov to Yisrael, that very same angel that was helping him along that path gives him the new name of Yisrael. Um, if uh, we sum this up with a final point, you might claim that each of the avot, on some level, may be thought of as representing a particular tchuna, a particular personality attribute, or a particular characteristic. And over the course of the past few weeks, I talked about Avraham uh, as the revolutionary, uh, the one who changes the world. I talked about Yitzchak uh, as embodying the midah, the attribute of of self-negation or perhaps of continuity. And the question arises is what exactly, what aspect or what personality characteristic uh, may Yaakov be said to embody? 
I think the answer is found here in, in this story, in, in, in this pasuk. Lo Yaakov yamer od shimcha ki im Yisrael ki sarita im elokim im anashim batuchal. Yaakov, what might be said to animate his life or the stories of the life of Yaakov is the idea of struggle. He struggles uh, against Lavan. Um, he struggles against his biological brother Esav. And Yaakov, even on some level, uh, he struggles against the angel. He wrestles with him in the physical sense. And on some level, Yaakov might be even said to struggle against himself. He struggles with his Yaakovness. Uh, he struggles with his own self. He struggles to become Yisrael here in this story. And it is through this struggle that eventually Yaakov is able to become Yisrael and to become the third Av, the father of Am Yisrael.